I think the biggest, you know, change in in the last two years is really being able to set up the home office just like or very close to the experience in inside the office that's managed by IT. So how can you really become your own IT support? You know, that that transformation of the workplace really anywhere, and in this case, uh, the home office is really the big change in the last two years. And that, folks, is Rhett Livengood. He's with Intel, Director of Digital Business Enabling. More of his thoughts on the wherever workspace and the impact that the latest 12th gen Intel Core processors can bring to our work environments. That is the focus of this Connection Tech Experience Solutions podcast. James Hilliard back with all of you again, folks, and uh, Rhett Livengood. Our guest here today again he's the director of digital business enabling from intel that title it's really a fancy way of saying that ret focuses on business transformation digital transformation all it entails things like collaboration the business changes the it changes the people changes he is a former road warrior he got grounded two years ago uh back now in a hybrid type style role like many of us and and one of the things we want to do is talk about some of the changes that we've all been experiencing. And, and Rhett, as, as you're out there, you're talking, you're working with folks. What is it that you're hearing? Maybe the top two, three challenges that you see folks are still having, right, in this wherever workplace, which now we're two years into this major workplace transformation. The top pain point, I think, for almost everybody is really worrying about security. And what I mean about security is, you know, we do monthly tests where I work and people still click on links they shouldn't. Uh, people still do bank transactions when they're in the airport with uh, <laughs> a non-secured free Wi-Fi line. <laughs> so I would say... I would say maybe people aren't worried about security, but I would say, um, you know, as the office has grown into, you know, maybe your home, um, re really security would be the first. And then a close second, I would say, would be, um, you know, collaboration and bandwidth. I think a lot of people have realized that, um, you know, the consumer Wi-Fi they have at home or the fact that they might be sharing Wi-Fi with four or five people uh, xboxes that are playing video games or other things and you know the quality definitely depends on how many things you got going it's almost like the old days when we we used to have the old two-prong uh power sources and you maybe had eight you know eight breakers for your whole house now of course you know we have to have a whole new panel probably have 40 50 60 of those so that's really what we're going through there is really understanding um you know how important uh, things like wireless is um you know, be able to work from anywhere. And we'll talk about some of those technical things. I also want to set up the people side of things as well. I've been remote 17 plus years. Last two years, the only big change for me was dealing with people that were now working remotely for the first time. And there's a lot that goes into it. You have to schedule your time differently. You have to know when to stand up and take a walk around the house or around the block to get yeah. out of your space. Uh, I don't just, you know, back in the day in an office, I'd get up, I'd walk to another cube, I'd walk to another floor, whatever. And so there's a lot yes. of people changes. What are some of the people changes that you've been coming across that individuals have struggled with this new way of working? Yeah, I think being able to take those breaks, I mean, 
assuming two years ago that people worked an average eight hour day, let's, let's just, you know, use that as a standard, um, you know, overnight it went to 11 hours, right? Because what happened was the commute time suddenly got filled in with meetings and this time and the break time, you're right, you have to add the breaks. And in fact, uh, at our company for every half hour meeting, we start them five minutes after the hour. And for every hour meeting, we start 10 minutes after the hour. The idea is to give a five minute or 10 minute break um, you know, each hour. So you actually take the breaks because yeah, I mean, when we, those first few months of the, the pandemic, I mean, I was personally, I mean, it was exhausting. You start at six in the morning, all of a sudden it's at six at night. And I'm like, wow, maybe I had some lunch for 15 minutes. And that was literally the only time I was not seated in a chair. I mean, it was horrible. And how well do you work personally, Rhett? When you're exhausted, how many really great choices do you make when you're exhausted, Rhett? How many brilliant ideas do you come up with, Rhett, when you're exhausted? Yeah, obviously not not too many. I think, you know, you kind of get into this, uh, what I call robot mode, where you just go from one meeting to the next and you're kind of listening in and sometimes you're, you're in the meeting and sometimes you're not. So... I agree. I think that ability to be able to schedule the breaks in there when there's there's not the the, the normal uh, interruptions you would get in an office environment. Not all organizations are doing what Intel's doing to schedule some of the meetings how you laid out. Um, it's easier, I think, some of my experiences with the smaller startups, things like that. But some of the larger uh, organizations, it's harder to institutionalize some of those. And so what ends up happening is we do as employees see mistakes get made. We start doing the personal banking while we're at home. We start uh, opening up and leaving open you know, work documents and things like that when we might have a bunch of friends and kids over that are also jumping on the Wi-Fi and just enabling a lot of potential vulnerabilities. And that's where we will hear shortly start talking a little bit of the tech too, because we need to... Um, utilize the technologies that we have and, and intel has had a lot at the chip level that i th i've known about for at least a decade plus um and some people are just starting to realize now can really be beneficial in this type of environment especially because we have so many people remotely last little tip from you this is a personal tip and then we do uh dive into a little more on the tech here what is something you do you said you were finding yourself exhausted you found yourself going six to six what's the one or two things that Rhett does to make himself a better remote employee now so one thing they actually have some some software you see there on your pc or on your phone um, that you can use for uh, quick meditation sessions. So sometimes, you know, a minute, three minutes, um, sometimes longer. Um, kind of scheduling those in uh, really helps a lot. And also they have got online exercise classes, stretching and those types of things. And, uh, you know, none, you can do three, five-minute sessions in there. So I, I really schedule those in during the day, just kind of like meetings. And then it kind of forces you to, to, to do this stuff. But I, I find for me, if you calendar it in there, it'll happen. And, and if you don't, then you end up going 12 hours sitting in a chair, never moving. So I think there's some great online tools out there that, that companies could even purchase, or you can even find on the web for free that uh, really makes a big difference in getting you through the day these times. Well, it leads us nicely into then the tie towards technology because there are things that our IT staffs back in the office are concerned about in terms of this much broader workforce that we have, right? The uh, the threat uh, perimeter now is huge, uh, much larger than it used to be. So uh, what were some of the things that you saw quickly 
start materializing at Intel in realizing that, okay, this not only hybrid thing is happening now, it's happened now for two years, but is likely now to continue because employers, businesses have seen, wait, we can function in this manner. So what were some of the initial uh, Intel technical thoughts to, okay, how do we then secure this? How do we make this productive? How do we help technology enable? Well, and I think like a lot of big companies and big enterprise companies, we kind of had the surround the fort security strategy. And what that meant was it was really secure when you were in the office. And when you were outside the office, things were the wild west and weren't secure at all. So, you know, when the pandemic hit, we literally over a weekend had to double the amount of virtual private networks um, that were available. And, you know, you can imagine it, it, you know, people had to scramble and data centers and tons of servers and, and stuff. I mean, it was, it was crazy. So, IT quickly looked at all the applications and which ones really need to be on the virtual private network or which ones can we start using a cloud type of security. And a lot of that has to do with a security um, philosophy called zero trust. So what that means is you can be anywhere and you know, the security really is, it, it goes with, it goes with the application and with the data versus having this fort mentality and really changing over those applications so we don't have to be on VPN was able to save a lot of the increased bandwidth where people are just, you know, you can imagine we have 110,000 employees and all of a sudden having 110,000 VPN sessions. I mean, that's, it's very difficult (laughs) to support. So I would say the move to the cloud from the IT definitely was accelerated greatly, probably five years in, 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 in the minute, in, in a few months. Yeah, you and I both heard five years, 10 years. I mean, there, there was just such massive acceleration. Here's what also happened. My observation reports out there, we all saw it. Um, company X had to send some employees home. They grabbed whatever technology they had and they put it out there. That could have been... Now, I've heard rumors. I don't know if it's true, but it could have been a Windows XP machine. It could have been some old school Celeron that was still churning away in a little laptop that they just said, we need gear and we need to put it out there. What my observation is now is a lot of teams have hit hit pause in this sense. They realize, oh, wait a second, we put a lot of stuff out there that might not be the most secure, might not be the most modern. It might not have some of these built-in tools that we can use to secure these remote systems. And so it's time to evaluate. And a lot of teams are doing that. Um, One, have you heard of any XP machines that went out in the world and are still being utilized today in any of the companies? You don't have to name them, but any that are still being used that you've heard about? Yeah, there's definitely some... Some uh, companies uh, that are that are still on XP, very few, which is good. But I'll just two two stats that I think you'll find interesting for education purposes in the in the last two years, two years during the during the the height of the pandemic, um, an extra one hundred million PCs were purchased for for schools. That stat, the height of PC shipments was twenty eleven, and in twenty twenty one it actually surpassed that. We actually, people bought more PCs than then. So the PC market's still very, very robust. The other thing that happened, to your point, a lot of people kept their PCs a lot longer because they either couldn't get a PC or like you said, they got a consumer PC when they needed a business one. Um, There's 
in the U.S., there's 140 million PCs now that are four years or older. And some of those are in great shape. But when you think about what the security was and where we were four years ago, a lot of those need to be need to be upgraded. So there's going to be a huge refresh that's coming up right for a variety of reasons and there's just a lot like you said a lot more pcs that that went into the marketplace because they had to and mainly notebooks absolutely tell me the difference between uh today's modern most modern cutting edge intel chip and an intel chip from four years ago that was cutting edge what's the biggest (laughs) difference between those and i know it's more than just speeds yeah. So if we look at, I'll, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll do this quickly, four, four quick vectors. So we're kind of talking about 8th gen uh, Core V Pro and 12th gen Core V Pro. So 8 to 12, we'll use the simple numbers and, you know, four years. Um, you know, one for performance, um, the 12th gen now, we've got, um, we've got performance cores and we've got what we call economy cores. And you basically now have a PC that will run much cooler and extend the battery life probably 2x than the ones from four years ago, which tended to be all the same core builds and just um, ran out of battery life about twice as fast. So you're going to see a big increase in battery life. Two, the security is way improved because now we've got not only software-based security, but we've added security in the hardware. We call it Intel Hardware Shield. And, um, you know, hardware plus software security is is better than just software security at the, at the highest level. So I think that really allows a lot of the attacks to, you know, to, to, to keep people safe. Um, third, we still got the old... Uh, stable in image uh, uh, platform uh, program out there. You know, we still guarantee that everything works for, you know, up to 15 months and get standard uh, PCs out there. And then finally, I think collaboration's a lot different. I mean, back when we were all, you know, kind of around the conference room doing the teleconferences, remember a teleconference? Yeah, the horrible <laughs> microphones there that no one That's could hear right. me when I was remote. So I'd have to have another call afterwards say, okay, cool meeting, didn't hear anything. What did y'all really talk yes. about? Yes. And so now with video conferencing, we've actually got software inside the PCs that prioritize what packets of information are actually going in and out of your PC. So to make that simple, you can actually prioritize this Teams or Zoom or Cisco WebEx call over maybe someone playing games. And that you, that way you get good audio and video and it doesn't start dropping frames, et cetera. So the PC has really become a lot more sophisticated in just four years. A lot more sophisticated. And I feel that m- more people are like me now. And what I mean is I do audio, I do video. I've been, you know, in front of a a webcam for, you know, years and years and years and years and podcast. So I was always multitasking, going through a lot of heavy, intense apps. Knowledge workers might be in some Excel. They're on one or two online apps and that was about it. All of a sudden now they're firing up their webcams. They're bringing in audio. They might even be using those USB ports to run some portable lighting to get better lighting, but that's taxing the machine. It's taxing the power. And so all the things that you mentioned there about being able to regulate that, uh, that's what a modern PC can do. 
And if I'm not worried about running out of that battery life, now I can work throughout the day with those inter without the interruptions of having to go plug back in. Oh, hang on. Let me, let me get over here. I can't do this meeting. So I have to run to the other side of the house and plug in and stuff like that. So a lot of changes on that. There's one thing that I did, uh, I brought up ever so briefly and, and want to see where this fits in. And, and I know it's, it's on the security front, but it, it goes to vPro. And I think you and I were both around uh, talking about vPro when it first came out. Because I'm I'm putting it somewhere in my 12 to 15 years ago, vPro came out. Yeah, vPro came out in 2006. So we're coming up on the 16th birthday, okay. 16 years. Yep. I remember for years... Intel had a problem. And I say that with love. It was just kind of a marketing thing. It was letting people know what vPro was. And one of the aspects that I knew about vPro is that it came as a suite of technologies that IT folks could utilize to help manage the machines. What I was aware of you know, 10 years ago, so a lot of these IT pros didn't know what to do. And they didn't know, do I turn this on? Do I leave this by default? There, there just wasn't a lot of knowledge. My understanding over the last two years, a lot of people got familiar with vPro. Tell yes. me what the usage has been like. And, and, and just one example, if you will. I know there, yeah. there can probably be many, but one example of what an IT department can use vPro for now to help with the security of those remote workers. Yeah. And, you know, vPro or, you know, the professional version, um, you know, way back in 2006, we actually had used to have different versions for desktop versus notebook. They've since merged, etc. But the idea was to add um, a chipset um, with the microprocessor to be able to add things like security and especially manageability. And the first key thing was around manageability where IT could manage the PCs even if the OS was corrupted or you got a blue screen. So they could actually turn it on, fix it, get the person up and running. And the idea was really to save on doing what we call truck rolls or having the IT person have to come out to your desk. And what happened during the pandemic, you can imagine, people either didn't want to go in the office or, or, or couldn't you know, go or couldn't or if you were on the other side and you're an IT pro, you didn't want to go into someone's house that might have COVID and get COVID from them. So by using this, the usage actually went up three times over 2020 and 2021 of vPro and people actually turning it on and using it more. So it was a big boon for vPro and a lot of the remote management ended up being the, the killer app there and, and continues to be where a lot of people maybe didn't use it or used some other means of doing that. Now it's almost, you know, almost needed because obviously it gets very, very expensive if you have to start driving IT support to everyone's individual house. Yeah. Imagine, remember the old sneaker network just running around the building. Imagine how that sneaker network is out there uh, these days it would never work. Um, let me, let's talk about management of these devices because there's a lot in the world now about how do we manage our devices and I, i'll come back i was playing around a little bit with microsoft and uh, some xp machines that might still be out there but microsoft has a lot of new modern technologies things like intune autopilot endpoint manager v pro played nicely with them they're complementary uh the whole ecosystem of managing the devices how does that how do they all play together yeah so we've been working with the Microsoft team, you know, since since day one. They're a they're a great partner. We've integrated the Intel vPro features into um, what they call their modern computing platform. So as Windows 10 and now Windows 11 comes out, 
Um, we've got the security uh, features and we've got the manageability features essentially working hand in hand. So they take direct, you know, uh, benefit um, from from the code that we have kind of down on the hardware layer um, that they do in the operating system. So yeah, it works seamlessly and um, very, very secure now um, as you have a good old Windows 11 and 12th gen uh, Core vPro machine. So that's kind of the state of the art right now. And I think we'll continue to work um, closer together where hardware and software, um, you know, one plus one equals three. That's, uh, that's what we always try to do with Microsoft and they've been very supportive and a, and a great teammate over the years. And, and one of the things that this conversation is bringing up in my mind is we're still trying to strike that balance between productivity and security. And and that's always been a part of the conversations I've had for the past 20 years. I think it's the next 20 years conversation. It's still going to be that. When someone, an employee, let's get to the, the end user right now. If someone has been used to working on their machine for the last four years or so, and then all of a sudden IT calls them up and said, hey, Michelle, we're going to be sending you a new laptop. And it's going to be all, you know, we're going to use autopilot. We're going to provision everything. It, it's going to get to you. Maybe it's coming from connection. And we're going to get it out from our depot. And we're going to get in your hands and you're going to be up and running and just cruising through uh, no problem. True? No problem? What does Michelle have to do to get used to a new machine coming to her? Or is it as seamless as Intel says it will be, as Microsoft says it will be, as we say it'll be? Yeah, Connection has got a, a great process to do that, right? They've got some, you know, pre-configured um, uh, paths that customers can and go and get the their, their individual image and ready to go on day one. Um, what we've done for um, Connection and others is the vPro platform has a separate chipset in there that runs all these security protocols so it does not slow down the CPU. So rather than just have a bunch of what we call bloatware or extra security software that ends up making the machine very, very slow, we take those tasks and run them in a different area and then the, the end user doesn't see any slowdown from there. So that's one of the benefits again of having an integrated business platform. And tuning that with the services that Connection provides, I think is a winning combination from especially getting new employees that expect the latest and greatest system. They want it delivered to their house if they're working remote or hybrid, and they want to be up and running on day one. So I think the new platforms, they're, they're going to be very pleasantly surprised. Rhett, I can't let you go without a little bit about talking about supply chain. And oh, yeah. <laughs> one of the hard things about talking about supply chain is you and I could have this conversation as we are today. Uh, someone might listen to us in, in three or four weeks and things could have changed. There, there are just so many dynamic aspects of the supply chain issue. Yes. Here's what I don't want to do. We're not going to address individual supply chain things. That, that That's not yeah. going to be useful. But what I want to ask about is what I see in the marketplace others I've talked to, we anticipate anticipate supply chain challenges through this year, absolutely into 23, and who knows? And we're just realizing, I think as well, just globally, that we are so connected now that an issue somewhere that we might not think is going to have an impact can truly have an impact. So my question to you is more so about planning. If people say, hey, look, I want to, and I need to, 
get some new machines into my team's hands in the near future. What are some of the planning processes that you think they should be going through? Who should be talking about? What might be the planning time frame so that when the time comes, they're not all of a sudden hung out to dry because they can't get something or have to settle for less than what they truly need for a certain employee. They can actually get what they need when they need it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think looking at a regular, you know, refresh rate and doing regular planning and scheduling is probably still the best way to, you know, not have these um, big, you know, shortages and then, and then gluts. I think a lot of people, a lot of people in the old days, the old days being, you know, two years ago, the supply chain was optimized for the lowest cost producer anywhere in the world. And that works great, except if the lowest cost producer in the world might be shut down for six months, or maybe they're not letting products out of their harbor, then bad things happen. So I think having a true global supply chain and, you know, multiple options or maybe even areas to, you know, to, to get those products is is the way to go. But I think doing regular planning and regular upgrades are the way to do. I mean, I've seen people, you know, start letting some of their PC inventory for go five, six, seven years. And, you know, if they were on a more normal three, four uh, ish year time frame, they wouldn't they wouldn't get in these problems because what, you know, we've we've got the data. Once a PC gets to be so old, uh, bad things happen. It gets really, really expensive to manage that device. It's almost, it, it is cheaper to, to, to buy more frequently. And I know that sounds a little bit on the self-serving side, but I think whatever your requirements are, you just want to have a regular cadence. And that's the way to do predictability in these uncertain times. If you wait for the best price, I think you're going to be, I think you're going to be in a world of hurt here in the next few years. Yeah. And, and, and one of the other flexibilities I've seen is also being a little flexible in what you're willing to work on. Meaning some people really, really, really liked to buy laptops from companies that spell their name with four letters. A couple really like laptops from companies that have two letters in their name. I'm seeing that people have to be a little flexible and they might get the two letter laptops for a few of these employees and might still be that four letter laptop for someone else. And there's a little flexibility in the OEM market as well to understand that, uh, you know, you, you have to get gear into people's hands that is secure, that is going to work for them, but you might not be able to be as uh, single shop minded as the industry used to be. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think, you know, working like someone with connection that has long standing relationships with all the OEMs and has got, you know, has got their finger on the pulse of supply on a daily basis. That's really what you want from a good solution provider. Um, and I think, you know, teaming with someone who's got those insights, so you don't have to worry about it day to day is, is a good way to go. I'm going to summarize a couple things I heard, fill in what I missed, but modern machines with modern Intel chips 
running the latest, uh, you know, operating systems that we have available to us out there. So one, we're going to have uh, easier manageability. So the IT folks out there are going to be managing these machines. They're going to be able to secure these machines. For the employees, employees are getting that longer battery life. They're going to be able to multitask more. They're not going to have problems uh, trying to manage and do things. It's going to be an, an easy, uh, easier you know, type of experience for them. And, and that's the last thing any of us employees at home want. We don't want to have to turn into IT person. Uh, and, and there was some of that difficulty early on a couple of years ago. Uh, so those are, those are some of my summer. What did I miss? What else? Do you summarize to people and say, this is why modern devices really improve? Yes. And the other thing with modern devices is, um, again, I wanted to mention a little bit about wireless. So going from wireless, you know, we had Wi-Fi 6 to Wi-Fi 6E or Wi-Fi 6 extended uh, here over the last two years. The PCs with 6 extended, you get three times the area in your house to have the same experience. So it really gives you and the family members a completely different experience. And again, it comes with these new PCs that just came out this year. So something to look at, especially with a lot of people doing video calls um, from work. So there's just, again, some, you know, embedded goodness that comes with the, with the new modern platforms. And, you know, as 5G rolls out, I know get asked a lot about 5G, it'll pick up on the 5G signal as well. And it's not so much even about being stronger as it is having that experience wider. We've all had the experience where, you know, you have to go outside to get a phone signal or, you know, one room in the house works great. And the minute you go into the kitchen, it dies, right? So um, I think little things like that can really make your workplace experience a lot better in the home. As we look to wrap up, going to give some people some contact information here in a moment. Your favorite part of living working in a hybrid world your least favorite part of living working in a hybrid world <laughs> well the, my 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 favorite part is probably um i don't miss the commute the commute definitely adds stress especially uh, i live out here in the uh, northern california so uh traffic can get quite there so that's that's probably the best um you know, if you have favorite foods and stuff, that's also nice to have those close by. Although it also can be very dangerous because you can uh, gain lots of uh, gain lots of weight when you're always eating something that you like. I think the big miss, though, is you know that face-to-face -face collaboration in the office and maybe even the hallway conversations and and seeing different groups of people. I think that's the big miss. I you know. You, you can have one-on-ones and you can have team calls with multiple people, but I'm not sure we're completely there yet uh, in replacing some of the face-to-face -face collaboration type in, in environments. All right, Rhett. Well, I do appreciate the conversations. We're going to wrap things up for this Tech Experience Solutions podcast. As always, I'm going to ask you all to, if you haven't done so already, subscribe, like, and share on your favorite podcast platform. In terms of learning more about any of the offerings from Intel, the 12th Gen Core uh, processors available in modern devices, you can do a couple of things. One, connection.com. Two, you can also stay in touch. Hopefully, you've got an account management team in place 
place. And you can reach out to those team members. You can reach out to your BDMs. Continue the conversation. Uh, we talked a little bit about planning and refresh cycles and all that. So those are conversations you're going to want to have with our connection team. And then if, if there's anything else Intel related, we can bring those folks on, folks like Rhett and his team, to have conversations with all of you. With that, we're going to wrap things up. As always, please be safe, be well, and we do look forward to talking to you all down the road.